Jesus is not doing a great job advertising his young movement here. I mean, who wants to join up after a gospel reading like this one? But he's not wrong. This division he promises is coming, division that apparently he himself has brought. I have seen it too many times to count now. I've lived it. I did not grow up in the church, but I found my way here as a teenager. I remember being overwhelmed by the beauty. I was delighted and and maybe also a little bit surprised by the welcome that I received. I looked a, a little bit different then. Uh, alternatively, my head was shaved and then my hair was lime green and purple and fire engine red. I didn't exactly fit in. Uh, and maybe less so once I started serving at the altar. And it was wonderful. It was also bewildering and painful. Not for what I experienced in that cavernous limestone church, the the wooden pews all worn smooth from so many people over the years. No, it was because some of my family thought that me going to church was a terrible idea. They, they dismissed the whole thing. They cracked jokes and quizzed me on impossible theological questions, ones that now I know are unanswerable. But, but at the time, I, I thought I was probably just foolish. Do you think that I have come to bring peace to the earth? No, I tell you, but rather division. I don't remember if I ever heard this passage then, but oh, how it would have resonated. And this has been real for so many of us, hasn't it? Maybe it is right now. We've seen the ways that trying to follow this wild, itinerant preacher breeds real division, even or, or maybe especially in our closest relationships. I don't think it was Jesus's intention. Looking at the whole sweep of his life and work, I don't believe it was his design to bring this kind of division and heartache. But Jesus, he understands that it can't be avoided if we are going to do the work we've been called to do. He's telling us how it is, not how he longs for it to be. Backing up a little bit, I want, I want to unpack what the nuclear family meant in that day. It was, well, it was everything. The family was the building block for society. So much of life was ordained by who your parents were and who your kids were if you were able to produce a suitable heir. And it's that bit especially that Jesus is pointing to here, the inheritance. He's not just talking about bonds of affection and the ways that people can turn cold on one another. He's talking about money. 
about an entire economic system of accumulating and then controlling wealth. And friends, he is turning it on its head. Notice how he describes the relationships that will be fractured. It's, it's all along generational lines. It's not brother against sister, but father against son, mother turned from daughter. The lineage, the lines of wealth passing through a family are changed when we begin to follow him. This inevitable division is not just about our relationships, what we believe, how we worship. It's about the whole social order. Jesus has come to reimagine and transform the status quo, and people push back mightily. We've already seen this at play in the gospel. His, his mother and his brothers trying to talk him out of this just boneheaded ministry. It's dangerous. His extended family then in Nazareth, when he comes home to teach, they, they want to run him off a cliff. And Jesus responds harshly, acting at, at one point like he no longer knows his mother, saying instead that the ones who did, do the will of God, they are his mother, his brothers, his sisters. Ouch. So where's the good news here? Well... It's dicey. It's uncomfortable. Because much as we might want the Christian way to be one of a, a really nice Jesus, you know, the kind that we see in paintings maybe from the 1970s where he's kind of glowing and all the children are gathering around his feet. Much as we might like that, there is far more to the story. This is the part where he gets honest about what this way will cost us. We get to decide whether we're in or out, whether we're going to reshape our lives to follow in this way of love. But here's the thing. Just because our gospel passage today stops while we're still in the pain of it all, that doesn't mean that Jesus stops there. Or that our stories stop there. We have to keep following the trail on to when he also shows us what is possible. That's where the good news is. But we have to pan out beyond these few verses that we hear today. I, I had been trying to model my life on these teachings for, for a good while when I met Jane. I didn't think that I had it all figured out, but I think I assumed I had a solid handle on it. My kids were little when we met. Sam was just a baby. And Jesse and I had begun to hang out with Jane and her wife when, still really early on in our friendship, Jane shared that she would like to babysit for free. 
Surely this is always a welcome gift. And we had been scraping by. It had only been a little while that we'd gotten off of food stamps, and there still was not very much room to pay for babysitters. Her offer felt astonishing, almost too good to be true. And given that, she, she had to offer several times before we believed her and accepted this kindness. And then, as we talked about it more, Jane explained that there was one stipulation to the offer. If she was going to babysit our kids for free, she wanted to do it regularly enough that she and the kids could form deep relationships with one another. So the hitch, to be clear, the hitch for the free babysitting was that it had to happen often. <laughs> this is when I realized how much I still had to learn about this way of following Jesus, about how he asks us to reshape our lives. Jane knew what it meant to be family. She knew what kind of investment was required to make these bonds come alive. This, this way exists out beyond the world's economy, the one we expect to function as a rule of life. It's the kind of beauty that emerges when we look past the people that we have come from and who will come after us all in one straight bloodline and turn our attention also to, to all of our relations spread out in this great web of connection. This, I think, is what Jesus is trying to lead, trying to build. He names his disciples, these followers of God, as his siblings. He breaks bread with all kinds of folks, heals those other people would not come near. Even from the cross, he continues this way of making kin, giving his mother and the beloved disciple to each other. He creates a massive realm of chosen family. He insists that we reconsider who all we belong to and who all is our responsibility. I wish I could tell my teenage self that all this was in store. It's not that we cease to care for our immediate family. Of course, we continue to reach for them, and often the divisions are healed in time. But no matter the shape of our families, he's offering a vision for our lives in which the love doesn't stop there with blood. He's teaching that family is not meant to be walled off, that our love is not a finite resource. Following this way will be painful at times and costly. He will not promise otherwise. And it is entirely worth it as together with God we transform the world as it has been into this family that holds love so freely for all.
He's come to break apart the status quo. Yes. And on the other side of that, there is more abundant life than we can yet imagine.